Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Week three of football is in the books, and now it is time to review the tape and get ready for week four. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 4, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right, you can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code MHS during sign-up. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I decided to start with the ad read for this episode um, for, for a reason I'll explain it in a second, but again, welcome back to the 20th and Blake podcast from Mile High Sports presented to you as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. So for this episode, uh, it's going to be a bit of my review for the season. I wanted to talk mostly off the cusp about this. Uh, I don't have any notes for this, um, just things that I observed over the course of the season. And I wanted to discuss the three main and primary aspects of the Rockies organization uh, this season. And I wanted to, I guess, grade them in a sense. Uh, and those aspects would be the front office, the coaching staff, and the team at itself. So... Let's start at the top. Let's go with the front office. So the front office and general manager Jeff Breidich has always received some flack for the decisions that he's made. And obviously I think a lot of that is valid. And I think most of it is probably valid. And this season, it's probably even more valid. The Colorado Rockies started off the first 14 games of this season with 11 wins and 3 losses. They were set up to have a decently successful run this season, or at least maintain a 500, uh, a 500 record, you know. See, the Rockies have talent, and, and obviously, yeah, the Rockies had some bad luck with 
like David Dahl and John Gray going down with injuries. But overall, Jeff Breidich saw that the Rockies were off to a good start. They saw that the Rockies had a chance to have a successful season. And the only major moves that he made were lateral. And what I mean by that is the trades that he made were for Michael Givens and for Kevin Pillar. And while Michael Givens was uh, a decent deal, Kevin Pillar wasn't an upgrade in any sense. And he actually performed okay while he was here. But Kevin Pillar's not a guy that's going to take you over the top and put you into the playoffs. Neither is Michael Givens for that matter. So Jeff Breidich showed his reluctance to make any meaningful moves midseason while the Rockies clearly had a chance to have a successful or at least a playoff season, a team or a, a season where they could make an appearance in the playoffs in a shortened season where they started off hot and where the playoffs were expanded. Jeff Breidich refused to upgrade the team in any meaningful manner, instead deciding to trade laterally for Kevin Pillar, who I think is hardly more than a depth piece, and Michael Givens, who was good again, but he wasn't what the Rockies needed to fill out this roster. And to top it all off, at the end of the season, he delegated the blame on the season, the performance of the season, on the players and not himself. I talked about this the last episode that I recorded, but as the general manager, your job is to assemble a roster. And by blaming that roster for not performing, you should be blaming yourself for not assembling a better roster. And I think the criticisms that are made about his assembly of this roster are completely 100% valid. Maybe maybe not all of the criticisms across the board, but I think the fact that he is criticized so heavily is valid. Now, it is not my place to call for his job, but at this point in time, the Rockies are at a crossroads. Either ownership needs to recognize the historical incompetence of the current administration or the current general manager and Jeff Breidich needs to take the team in a different direction. He needs to completely revamp his philosophy in constructing a roster and acquiring players or even developing players. I think the Rockies have done an okay job at developing players, but they've been probably not as good as they should be in translating them at the major league level. Look at Mike Talkman, who has had Major League success with a different organization. Tom Murphy was another example who started off in Colorado, didn't really quite cut it here, went to a different organization, and has done pretty well since then. So overall, my opinion of the moves that the front office made this season are extremely negative. I think that the lateral moves that the Rockies made, as I mentioned, and the public statement blaming the players was unprofessional and unwarranted, or at least partially unwarranted. Obviously, the players had a down year, and, and specifically uh, the star player. 
but regardless, since he constructed the roster, the burden of performance is as much on the guy who assembled the roster as it is the members of that roster. Now, with that aside, I want to talk a little bit about the coaching staff, in my opinion, on how they did this season. While I don't think the competence of the coaching staff is as important to the success of an organization as the roster is, or the construction of the roster, the front office or the, or the team, I do think that there are some valid criticisms that can be made about this coaching staff. And while I'll, I don't think the coaching staff is necessarily bad, I just think that there were some moves and some lineup decisions that I think should have been altered, um, should have been made earlier, should have been made, period. And I, a lot of that does have to do with the fact that they were handcuffed by the fact that the roster was uh, so bad, at least in terms of depth, uh, especially on the pitching side of things. But something I wrote earlier in the season uh, was a piece on why Garrett Hampson deserved to be starting. And it took a while for Bud Black to realize that Garrett Hampson needed more playing time. Uh, it took too long, in my opinion. I, I thought his the start of the season that he had warranted much more playing time for Garrett Hampson. I think he was and ended up being better than the alternatives um, at his positions. Uh, especially once once the Rockies lost David Dahl to injury, uh, Garrett Hampson plays four positions, essentially. Three, you don't want him playing right field as much, but uh, he plays three positions. You can squeeze him in the lineup, especially since his defense is plus in all three of those positions, and all four of them too, but you still, again, you don't want uh, Garrett Hampson in right field due to... Uh, his arm, mostly. Not that he has a bad arm, he just doesn't have a right field arm. Near the end of the season, the Rockies fans were finally getting to see Josh Fuentes play. And again, in the last episode I recorded, I mentioned that I believe Josh Fuentes had overperformed. Uh, his actual results were probably a little bit better than we should have expected, just based off of his batted ball profile. But to credit him, he led the entire major leagues in defensive runs saved at first base with less than half of the innings of most of the runner-ups. That really does speak to his defensive talent and his value to the Colorado Rockies. I think with a talented left side of the infield such as Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, it is critical that they have a good target to throw to, a reliable target to throw to. And I think Josh Fuentes was that, and I think he can continue to be that. While I think his offense probably has something left to be desired, I think it's not a complete lost cause, and I think he still has some potential in that area. All season, Charlie Blackman played in the outfield, and while he was better this season defensively than he has been in years past, he was still very, very subpar. And with, like I said, with a guy like Garrett Hampson, you don't have to play him off the bench. You can move Blackman to the DH. Obviously, he's aging, and his defense is not going to get any better. 
and you can play someone with a good arm in right field and stick Hampson in either of the other two spots. The uh, the emergence of Raimel Tapia was something, and I think I think the managerial staff handled that well. I think they handled his placement in the lineup well, um, and I think that the in terms of the starting rotation, with how limited they were, I think the Rockies did well, especially like once Ryan Castellani was called up. Castellani wasn't excellent by any means, but he was encouraging, and I think it was good for um, the managerial staff. And I think even even Jeff Breidich, if Breidich was involved in his calling up, uh, I think it was a good move on their part to bring him in and, and give him some looks. So that's a, definitely a positive takeaway, a silver lining from this season. The bullpen, well, I don't think the bullpen was managed pristinely. Man... What did he have to work with? Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz absolutely fell off a cliff. Daniel Bard was one of the best relievers in baseball, and Michael Givens was really solid. Yancy Almonte was great, and I don't think he was used enough. But otherwise, I don't blame the managing of the pitching staff on Bud Black entirely. I think there was some things that he could have done better, but... The general fault in the bullpen this season. The Rockies had the second worst bullpen ERA in the league. Last time I checked, it was a 6.92. I am not 100% sure what it finished off as at, at the end of the season, but it was near the sevens number, and it was almost as bad as the historically abysmal Philadelphia Phillies for this season. Now, that is, even with the, the roster move, that Jeff Breidich did make the trade for Michael Givens, the the bullpen was still horrendous and historically garbage. Uh, and I think that that has to do more with the front office than it has to do with the managerial side of things with Bud Black. Um, again, like Bud Black, I don't think it warrants a coaching change at this time. Unless the Rockies decide to do a full personnel rebuild, in which case bringing in a fresh head coach might be just a good look for the team and not necessarily uh, something that you hope for performance-wise. And I think Bud Black doesn't really fit the trend of new head coaches. You have, um, obviously, A.J. Hinch wasn't able to coach this year, but um, people like Aaron Boone and Kevin Cash were are newer school guys that are able to understand the adjustments that you can make with your lineup in a multitude of fashions. I think Aaron Boone is one of the, one of the better managers. Actually, I was kind of skeptical when the Yankees hired him, but he's turned out to be a very solid manager. Um, Kevin cash as well. And obviously these are more forward thinking organizations, which I think the Rockies need to shift their focus to do. I think they need to to expand into the, the analytics side of things, and I think that has to do with front office and it has to do with coaching. Um, and that is more of an organizational direction than it is personnel, uh, but I think obviously personnel has something to do with that because Jeff Reddish at this point in time so far has refused to invest in a legitimate, high-quality analytics staff like the Yankees, the Rays, the Twins, the Dodgers have. 
Now, the final tenant, the final pillar of the Colorado Rockies was the roster. Obviously, the roster very significantly underperformed this year. It starts with Nolan Arnato. I've talked about Nolan Arnato for essentially every episode of this podcast that I've recorded this season. And rightly so. He's the lifeblood of the Colorado Rockies, and he has been for a couple seasons now. And I think that this season, despite Nolan Arnato not having a good start to the season, the Rockies played very well. And I think that they still could have been a playoff team with this level of performance from Nolan. Uh, His performance is kind of a predicament because of his contract situation at this point if he opts out next year if he puts up another year that's similar he's not going to get close to the same amount of money and but then again nolan arnato is a winner and he wants to win and compete with a high level organization obviously he'll still command some high contract value because he's still the best defensive third baseman in the game and no not Matt Chapman. Nolan had a better year in terms of defensive runs saved, and Matt Chapman didn't even come within uh, like 40% this season. Anyways, his contract situation is up in the air still, as it has been for the past year, essentially since his contract was signed. The direction that the Colorado Rockies have to take in terms of the top half of their roster, their stars, is at least solidified for the next season. After that, who knows? Because Trevor Story's contract expires after the uh, 2021 season. So with that in mind, the Rockies may or may not even have the pieces to go all in for next year. But considering that Major League Baseball is at least considering keeping an expanded playoffs. I think the Rockies need to at least shoot for the playoffs next year. Probably not the World Series. They're not contenders, and they're not in any position to be contenders even as soon as next year. But the Rockies at least need to make a playoff push while they still can, in least, at least in my opinion. Uh, the Rockies need to go in on at least at least two quality starting rotation pitchers and at least two or three competent quality relievers that can pitch from the sixth to the eighth inning and you can count on them to get you out of an inning going forward daniel bard might be a good move uh to keep as a closer if if we can re-sign him I think he might have some decent value on the open market as a free agent this offseason. But for the time being, the Rockies don't have a closer. Wade Davis is gone. Yenti Almonte may be someone that we can groom to keep in that role, but for the time being, I think he's still middle back end of the uh, back end of the bullpen type of player. So moving forward with those two as your your two best bullpen pieces. The Rockies need to at least, at least bring two or three, preferably three, quality relievers into the bullpen. 
And in terms of the actual offensive part of the roster, the lineup, uh, the Rockies were obviously plagued with injuries. Um, Nolan got hurt at the end of the season. Dave Dahl was hurt for a decent portion of it. Uh, First of all, I think a priority needs to be a quality catcher. As I've mentioned before on this podcast and in some of the writing that I've done this season, Drew Butera and Tony Walters are probably the worst catching duo in the entire major leagues. They combined for negative 0.7 wins above replacement this season. When the theoretical quadruple-A replacement player is more valuable than your the two catchers, primary catchers that you have on the roster, uh, there's it's time for an upgrade. And Tony Walters has a say as a defensive catcher, and I think that's the argument for him is to keep him as a defensive catcher because he has a repertoire. But you can't build repertoire with someone else if you don't try someone else. So I think you need to at least you need to bring in a much better catcher than than the Rockies have currently, and I think that should be one of the top personnel decisions, the personnel priorities that we have that the Rockies have this off season. As uh, in addition to that, we had to watch Daniel Murphy play first base this season, and off the top of my head, he was also uh, negative. 0.7 wins above replacement, and that doesn't cut it, especially since he's the guy that you signed instead of DJ LeMahieu two seasons ago. And obviously everyone has had gripes with the Daniel Murphy signing and the Ian Desmond signing and the Jake McGee signing and the countless other signings that have been made, big money that the Rockies have spent. But players that you can find cheap that have good batted ball profiles. Uh, someone that I clamored for this past offseason was C.J. Crone, and he had he had a decent year offensively and obviously probably wasn't a solid defensive first baseman option. I think the Rockies might have their best option at first base defensively in Josh Fuentes. If the National League continues to use the designated hitter, that gives the Rockies more freedom. Probably you can slide Charlie Blackman into the designated hitter spot because, as I mentioned, his defense is severely declined. And at that point, you'd probably need to sign uh, another quality outfielder. And no, not Kevin Pillar. I think David Dahl is quality out there. Sam Hilliard has not proven that he is a capable starting quality outfielder at this point in time. I think he has the potential to be, and I think he could be. But I don't think he's that player right now. Ramel Tapia, as good of a season as he had, uh, is not necessarily uh, terribly above average. I think you can keep him and give him a really strong shot as a starter for next season. And I think you could probably give him preference. Um, But I think the Rockies need at least one more quality outfielder uh, if you're going to roll with Rymel Tapia and David Dahl next year. And, and even David Dahl next, this year, even when he was healthy, was not excellent. So I think the roster just needs more depth as a whole. Needs, uh, as I've mentioned before, the last article that I wrote about the Colorado Rockies is about how the Colorado Rockies are very top-heavy. They don't have enough even replacement-level players on the back end of their roster. So I think that is the place where you start. You build at least a replacement level team so your stars can get you above that 500 mark 
But right now, where the Rockies are at, they have too many below-average players filling the roster outside of the top of their lineup, and especially with the pitching staff as well. So with that, um, this was, again, sort of an unorganized rant. I did break it down into three parts, so, but otherwise it was unorganized, and I kind of went off the cusp. Um, so this is not something that I'll usually do, and I probably won't do this uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, but, but I did want to mention that going forward, there will be more stability when it comes to uh, the episodes that I record. So I'm going to be uploading episodes on Friday mornings and on Tuesday mornings. So I'll be doing two episodes a week discussing the Rockies, their offseason, uh, probably updating a little bit on what the playoffs are doing and, and some players that the Rockies could potentially look at this offseason, but there, there will be more stability going forward with the episodes that I bring to you guys. So thank you for listening and tuning into the 20th and Blake podcast again. And as always, presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And so thank you for listening. Share this on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Cade Walker NBA. Until next time, this is Cade Walker from 20th and Blake at Mile High Sports. We will talk to you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.